Welcome back to the Med School Tutors Podcast, where we draw on our proven results since 2006 to provide you with high yield tips and proven guidance to help reduce stress and give you tangible tools for success from pre med through residency. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome everyone to Know Thy Shelf Internal Medicine Edition. My name is Moses Murdoch. I am a med student for just a couple more days and an incoming internal medicine resident at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Have also been working with med school tutors for three years, helping students of a variety of levels achieve success in medical school. And I'm really excited to talk about my favorite specialty today, internal medicine. Clerkships have been referred to as sort of speed dating in medicine where you get to experience the full breadth of what you can expect out of medicine. And I'm so excited to share some tips, some clinical pearls on how to do well, and maybe you will join me as colleagues in internal medicine. In terms of what we'll cover today, we'll go over some study schedule tips, some resources that you might find helpful as you study for the internal medicine shelf. We'll talk about some mistakes to avoid and how the Shelves in general and internal medicine in particular uh, are different perhaps from other tests that you've taken in the past. And lastly, I will share a little bit about med school tutors, what we're about. And then at the end, we will have some dedicated time uh, in which we will just have a conversation about anything that's on your mind with respect to the internal medicine shelf. So we all know that right now there's a lot of uncertainty in medical school and how we're going to adapt in the era of COVID. But the life of a clerkship student in internal medicine, if and when that occurs in the hospital, it's a busy life. I've just put on the screen a sample of what a day might look like, which includes waking up uh, early in the morning, going and seeing your patients, asking how they're doing, getting information for the day, you round, you have work and might go to teaching conferences, you might be admitting patients who are presenting to the hospital, and that's a full day's work, and you go home in the evening, and of course you want to exercise, have a meal, spend time with loved ones, but you also have to fit in studying sometime in this day. Many medical schools have some uh, version of a virtual clerkship. This may or may not be relevant to everyone in the audience, but this might include synchronous case-based discussions, as well as didactics that occur over video conferencing, much like Zoom. You might have asynchronous cases that come from the published literature or from other services that provide cases and related educational content. And then, of course, there is the evolving and expanding world of e-medicine and telehealth where students might be plugged in in really interesting and novel ways. Regardless of all of this, the shelf exam has been a cornerstone of the educational experience of clerkship students. And what I'll spend the next little while talking about is how to maximize your success while still doing what you are in clerkships to do, which is to learn clinical medicine. Some of the key fundamental tenets of pretty much any shelf exam during clerkships is just as I was illustrating, your free time will be limited. And so really being careful about time management and being very organized 
will be key to your success. And unlike step one, there are really a ton of options for both shelves and step two CK. And there is no one Bible, so to speak, like there is for step one in terms of first aid. And so you have to spend a little bit of time figuring out which resources might work best for you and your learning style. And we will sort of talk through some of the pros and cons of the better known and most used resources. What's generally true about really studying for any exam is that using resources that promote active learning have a higher chance of helping you learn and retain information in the long term. And so we'll talk a little bit about what some of those resources might be, but when you're selecting resources, have that in the back of your mind. Is this a resource that will have me actively retrieving information and applying it um, in as realistic a, a scenario as possible? And lastly, start early. This goes back to your free time being limited. Cramming is unlikely to work in the setting of a shelf exam because you won't have that buffer right before the exam in which you can fit in all the studying that really should have been spread out throughout the entire clerkship. One of the questions that sometimes comes up, which is what are the study strategies that really work for step one that don't necessarily work for step two? And I think the major difference that I would really emphasize, and I've been saying this in, in multiple different ways, is that there is not the time through systematically go through an entire video lecture series on top of everything that you're already doing. You have to be more selective in your uh, selection of, of study materials. And sometimes having too many resources is just as problematic as having too few resources. And that's a point actually that I make in the next slide. So here are some sort of practical tips right off the bat that aren't necessarily specific to internal medicine, but definitely apply. So first is finding pockets of time to study. You know, once uh, COVID is over and maybe you have a, a walk to school, if it's safe for you to be doing flashcards during that time or while you're eating, watching a video, finding ways to be really efficient with your time is gonna be really key. Another general principle is to try to link what you're learning in didactics as you're reading cases or as you are in the hospital taking care of patients along with your team to link those clinical encounters with your shelf studying. So to be very practical, I remember during my clerkship, I admitted an individual with new onset heart failure. And that patient went on to need a cardiac catheterization and then unfortunately had some ventricular fibrillation, went to the cardiac ICU, and this evolved over the, over the period of a week, week and a half. And during that time, I was so much more motivated to go and read about cardiac pathology, to do practice questions from a question bank that related to cardiac care. Now, of course, you won't be able to link up your shelf studying with the cases that you see. Some of this is outside of your control, but when it is possible to do so, that's a, that was a great motivator for me. And I would pass that along as a tip. You know, just as much as the knowledge is information, the knowledge is important and, and dedicating the time, also staying connected to those who provide you with support, who root for you, um, but also who keep you accountable is really important. 
for me, I had some close friends that were going through med school with me. And occasionally we would study together. Studying in groups isn't for everyone, that's for sure. But whether that's a family member, a loved one, or other students, finding that support network who keeps you hitting those books, hitting those question banks, um, kind of reminding you of why you're doing what you're doing. And lastly, while the cornerstone of both shelf and step 2CK studying um, are books that are available and you can buy um, in bookstores or online, often your own institution will have resources that have been developed really with an eye towards your particular curriculum that also might be helpful as you study for the shelf. And so, you know, talking and paying attention to your clerkship directors and seeing what advice they have, things that have worked for other students at your school in prior years can be really helpful. Talking to upperclassmen who have gone through the clerkship, who have taken the shelf, and who might provide you with um, advice. These are folks that uh, you should pay attention to. And like I said before, being selective and targeted in your resource selection uh, will really be clear as will be very important as you go and study for yourself. So now a little bit more targeted advice for internal medicine. Um, the textbook that sort of is the classic and has been the classic for some time is the Step Up to Medicine textbook. It's organized by organ systems and then sub-organized uh, by diseases and gives you the epidemiology, the presenting science and symptoms, the workup, the differential, and some of the management for the bread and butter diseases that are commonly tested on the internal medicine shelf. And that would, I would consider Step Up to Medicine as your core textbook for the shelf. And the, I would pair that with the main resource for learning, which is really UWorld, the question bank for Step 2CK. And again, going back to this principle of active learning over passive learning, really it's your application of knowledge to clinical vignettes in the setting of UWorld that uh, is probably gonna be the most helpful for you. But like I mentioned, there's a wide variety of other resources. Um, you have pocket medicine, very practical. You have online resources like online med ed, the YouTube channel, as well as their website. Um, so you wanna consider both the limited amount of time that you have, but also what modality of learning works best for you. I found Step Up to Medicine myself very helpful. I you know, had three months of combined internal medicine and family medicine clerkship. And over that time, just slowly worked my way through the book, as well as making my way through UWorld. Again, I mentioned the resources, but I really want to emphasize this philosophical shift. So for many students, you enter clerkship after taking step one. And the big change that's immediately obvious is the decreased emphasis on the basic sciences, which makes sense. It's a clinical exam. Um, and a greater emphasis on diagnosis, management, and sort of the best next steps uh, type of questions. And I really want to emphasize that when I underline complex diagnosis, what I mean is that there's a higher noise to signal ratio in these vignettes. So whereas step one vignettes um, use perhaps more buzzwords or at least disguised buzzwords, um, there's a lot more distractors in the clinical background for shelf and step two CK questions that you're just gonna have to get used to. But like anything else, mastery comes with practice. And again, the questions tend to be less about the sort of basic science, 
really nitty gritty molecular pathophysiology, although that may come up, a lot of the time you're being asked to ask, what are you going to do next for this patient? There are multiple things that sort of are reasonable to do, but you have to pick the best next thing. Um, and again, the general principles are patient safety, the ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. Those are the kinds of things that you start to prioritize as you work through the vignettes. In terms of what's high yield, this is something that's challenging for internal medicine because it's such a broad field. You have everything from endocrinology and diabetes management to cardiovascular disease to infectious diseases and even overlap with other clerkships like neurology, for instance. And so I would focus predominantly on bread and butter medicine. And what does that sort of consist of? What does that actually mean? Well, it comes down to what are the organ systems that epidemiologically um, pathology in those organs leads to the most morbidity and mortality, um, the common diseases that present in this country. And so I've put just some of the examples on the slide, things like congestive heart failure, pneumonia, pancreatitis, high yield infectious diseases like pneumonia, endocarditis. Um, these are the diseases that you really want to have a strong handle of in terms of what, does, what is the illness script for this presentation, for this disease, um, and what is the basics of, of management. Going back to UWorld, because it's such a cornerstone of studying for the internal medicine shelf, um, some tips include downloading the app on your, on your mobile device, on your phone, and really drilling questions as much as you can. And the goal in general should be to complete the question bank for Step 2CK once during your core clerkship year, whether that's your third year or, or some other part of your medical school curriculum. Um, again, you can use UWorld in a variety of ways. Uh, you can make questions and flashcards out of uh, elements of the question bank. Um, you can do it in a timed format to really simulate the exam. You can do it by organ system. And this is all uh, elements of UWorld that you're likely familiar with that really are just coming back for internal medicine. And again, thinking about ways to be active outside of the question bank. Sometimes flashcards can be a great way to really drill home those elements of management or therapy uh, that are amenable to memorization. So th using things like Anki, um, Memorang, UWorld now has a capability to create flashcards. And I found it particularly useful for students to do that with sort of high yield images. And so what do I mean by that? Um, a classic chest x-ray for pneumothorax or for a consolidation with pneumonia or an EKG that's particularly telling, um, such as what's the difference between ventricular fibrillation and ventricular tachycardia. These are things that you can have with you in your pocket when you have a down moment. You can review, especially for those questions that you get wrong, learning from those mistakes so that you don't make them on the exam will go a long way towards you achieving success. I mentioned before that there's tons and tons of resources. I'll just highlight one more here. Case files is great for clerkships and really for standalone topics here, like you see on the slides. Um, and they are a nice mix of both content and also questions. And so let's say that uh, you've checked out Step Up to Medicine, you've either finished it or the style just doesn't jive with you very well. Um, this series of, of books can be quite helpful. And so keep this sort of in your back pocket as another resource that you might consider using.
In terms of other resources for questions or for practice, um, pre-test series also has questions. Um, I would say that they're not as high yield as UWorld, just like for step one for shelves and step two CK. Um, UWorld, again, sort of is the gold standard for a, a source of questions. You have the clinical science mastery series from the NBME that may be helpful. Again, seeing questions very similar to what you're gonna see on exam day. A lot of students have been sort of asking me about AMBOSS, which is another step two CK question bank. Again, I've seen success with it. Um, folks seem to like the interface and the questions. Um, it is a bit of a newer kid on the block, so to speak, for question banks. And so I would uh, consider this sort of a second tier resource after you've really uh, got all the juice out of UWorld. And some of these resources tend to vary by clerkship. So for internal medicine, I would prioritize UWorld and case files um, in conjunction with Step Up to Medicine, as I was mentioning previously. And now I just really want to take a moment to recognize that there are there's more to the internal medicine clerkship than just studying for the shelf. And so I've compiled a list here of resources that I and other students have found helpful. Um, there is a, a real movement for FOMED or free online medical education uh, in the form of podcasts, websites, and other resources. And so you can see that there's a number of podcasts that uh, are high yield and, and really put out by experts. Um, Brigham and Women's Hospital has the Run the List podcast that is geared specifically to clerkship students with one page handouts that you can use as you're solving cases uh, sort of virtually or in the hospital. Um, the clinical problem solvers have revolutionized the teaching of clinical reasoning and they have both a podcast, a website and an app that can help you really take your clinical reasoning to the next level. Harrison's pod class really bite size. We're talking five minutes short case question vignette with some multiple choice answers. This is geared towards um, the internal medicine boards, but definitely overlaps with step two CK. And if, again, it's something that you can use on the run while you're cooking or, or uh, at the gym, uh, whether that's at home or, or whenever things open up, a great resource. And again, deep dives, things like the Curbsiders Core IM, ways to practice, again, in an active fashion, EKG, and, and chest x-rays. I have those resources on the screen. Um, and then of course, right now, a lot of what is on our mind is COVID and how do we handle COVID? How do we really engage with patients? And the students at Harvard Medical School have put together a curriculum geared specifically for med students um, that is worth checking out. If you just Google it, it'll come up. And lastly, another place to get extra case reps in is the Human Diagnosis Project. Uh, started with uh, from some folks out of uh, Hopkins, um, a great way to sort of learn clinical reasoning, illness scripts, problem representations. So that was a lot of information all at once. I want to just take a, a deep breath and sort of remind ourselves that this is one part of a, of a longer journey. You all worked really hard and made it into medical school went through the preclinical curriculum, studied for step one in some cases, gone through clerkships, and this is just one more in a series of experiences that will help you end up where you want to be, which is a practicing clinician. And so be confident. You've really um, put in a ton of work. 
you've had a lot of experience with yourself and knowing what works for you, what helps you memorize things. And so I would, I would be confident in that and really lean on your community uh, to achieve success here. And with that, we've come to the point of the webinar where I'm going to start looking at the chat and, and answering uh, questions. Someone is asking here how useful first aid for step two CK is. I think it's a, it's a great resource and an adjunct. Um, the reason that uh, we put together and, and sort of promoted Step Up to Medicine and case files is because those are internal medicine specific um, and they might go in, in slightly more depth than other, um, than other textbooks would go uh, into. Um, but for sure, it's put out by the, the lovely folks who um, put out the other um, first aid books and is a great adjunct. Someone's asking here a great question about UWorld, whether uh, recommend working from all sections or just working from the, the medicine content. That's a, that's a great question. To start out with, I would make sure to first go through the internal medicine content, which if you actually look at the percentage of questions that are dedicated to each clerkship, internal medicine gets a lion's share of the questions. And then if you're really done with that and you've gone over your incorrects perhaps a second time, that's when I would be looking at other specialties that are adjacent to internal medicine. So things like neurology, which I believe is actually within the internal medicine sort of block in UWorld, thinking about some OB stuff that might overlap slightly with internal medicine. For example, um, the evaluation of hypertension. Part of that differential includes preeclampsia in um, the appropriate sort of clinical background. So, so that's what I would uh, think about from a UWorld perspective. Other questions here, Kaplan textbooks, step up to step two CK. Again, these are all reputable resources and it comes down to you only really have time for one main textbook to use. And so probably what I would recommend is if you have access to multiple textbooks, before you buy them, just browse them and see if the layout, the organization jives with what your learning style is. For most students, I would say that step up to medicine is the gold standard, but that's not to say that you can't achieve success with other methods. I would just browse before you buy. In terms of Anki decks, what I would say is that the, the instinct to go to a pre-made deck is a good one. And so the question, which Anki deck should, should I use, um, is good because you don't have the time to create an entire sort of internal medicine shelf deck de novo. Um, I would go to the, I can't believe I'm recommending this, but um, consider going to the Med School Anki Reddit page. And they have collated there with, you know, testimonials of varying levels of credibility. Uh, that you might look for. Um, Brosencephalon has an internal medicine deck that um, is quite good and is something that I used. Um, so shop around a little bit. And I would say that in the first couple of days of your clerkship, or if you have time before the start of your clerkship, to look at a couple of different Anki decks and see which one works for you, keeping in mind the number of cards, you don't want something with 50,000 cards that you're never going to get through, um, would be the way to go. Um, some other questions here, um, such as Master the Boards, again, uh, another resource that students have used um, to some success. And I, I will just reiterate what I was saying earlier that 
use the use the textbook and the content resource that you are able to stick to that you're able to sort of comprehensively go through over the course of an entire clerkship and that you're not sort of burning out. Um, a question here about creating your own cards for, for Anki and for memorization purposes. When I work with students, I sort of have a very honest conversation about their prior experience with making questions, the quality of their cards, and then sort of the pro-con of spending time making your own cards versus using a pre-made deck. So if you are a pro at making Anki cards, you've been doing it all throughout med school, you're very efficient and you're disciplined so that it doesn't take over all of your study time, I say go for it. Um, it's clearly worked for you. I am not here to get in the way of your success. The other scenario in which making cards for yourself might be good is in a targeted fashion for questions you get wrong in UWorld, which I'm seeing uh, in the chat as well. And that's also a, a good option, either using the UWorld sort of app and uh, platform itself or um, making your, your cards in Anki based on what's going on in UWorld. But, you know, for a majority of students, I would recommend sort of minimizing the number of cards that you're making yourself to those highest yield points that you personally have trouble with and shying away from trying to create an entire internal medicine deck for yourself while you're in the clerkship. I hope that makes sense. I'm seeing here some questions around studying for step one while you're on the clerkship, um, which is a scenario that, that some folks uh, find themselves in. You know, I think that this is a challenging situation and there is no one size fits all approach to this. I personally, when I work with students, take a detailed inventory of how many hours per day do you have to study? So I'll offer you like the questions that I ask and how I, I integrate that into how I think about this process. So I think about how much time do you have per day to study? And by that, I mean, read textbooks, watch videos, do questions. I think about how long is the clerkship and how long do you have until you take step one? I think about what practice exams have been taken um, and what the trajectory has been. Um, is the person, is the student close to where they would hope to be for, for both either shelf or step one? Um, or is there significant sort of progress that needs to be made to get to the person's goals? With that information in hand, you can start doing the math. How many questions do you need to do to complete a question bank or to get through first aid, for instance, and making sort of a day-by-day -day and then week-by-week -week schedule with sort of weekly practice exams, if that's within uh, reason of, of the other schedule, and I take it from there. And I would encourage if you have extra questions, please email us. We would love to hear from you and give you sort of personalized advice about these uh, decisions that are often very personal and very nuanced. There's a question here about how many times do you have to go through UWorld to, to be set for the IM shelf exam? Um, you know, I think a lot of students aim to go through all of the internal medicine questions at least once. And if, if it's possible to go through your incorrect questions in, in addition to the marked questions a second time as sort of a baseline. And I think most students have success if they've 
make sure that they see all of their questions. Do you need to do all of the IM questions two, three, four times? I don't think it's reasonable for most uh, folks in a clerkship to put that pressure on themselves like they have to go through all the questions that many times. That's, that's what I would recommend. So, you know, there's, there's questions here that are coming up around the timing of different standardized exams, thinking about should you take step two first, taking step one first, um, studying while on the shelf. I would say that there's three categories of considerations. There's personal considerations. What's your level of burnout? How, how much, you know, uh, time? Are there financial considerations? So that's the personal side. There's the school curricular considerations. So how much flexibility is your school or is your program or are you on some sort of timeline that requires you to take these exams in, in any particular way? Um, and then lastly, it's sort of an efficiency uh, category in which, you know, if you're already studying for the internal medicine shelf, you might want to take step two because there's such overlap between the shelves and step two CK. And so I would actually recommend either talking to someone from uh, med school tutors who can sort of get more nuance about your situation, talk to advisors in your school, but those are sorts of some of the considerations. And it may make sense to um, kind of kill two birds with one stone with your studying. Oh, okay, perfect. So there's a question here about rounding and um, questions about setting yourself up for success in the, in the clinical environment. So the first thing I would say is that the purpose of rounds, whether it is virtual or whether it is in-person at the bedside or outside of the patient's room, is to efficiently communicate information to your team, to communicate your clinical reasoning and your thought process, and why your plan of action for that patient is the right plan of action and to get feedback from your team. So in terms of virtual rounds, they're a, a diverse experience and it sort of depends. There are some folks who are doing sort of EICUs. And in that setting, there's a very protocolized way in which med students present. Um, and there's often input from nursing, from pharmacy, from respiratory therapy, for instance. In the general medicine setting, often what uh, you would do is sort of organize the information either from if it, is it a new admission or is it a subsequent day of admission day two day three day four for new patients you just want to go through your your typical presentation your chief complaint uh, hpi past medical surgical family social history think about your physical exam starting with the vitals going through um, the pertinent positives and negatives in each of these systems coming up with a good summary statement, and then a prioritized problem list with further workup, and then your management for each of those, those uh, issues. Specific tips for virtual rounding. I would figure out a couple of key things. One, is the patient going to be uh, listening in on video conferencing and making sure that you're sort of speaking to the level of uh, the patient and then sort of asking your seniors or your attendings if, if they'd like you to sort of present to them in more sort of medical jargon, so making sure you're being patient-centered. Um, and then the other thing is just to stay organized. Honestly, organization helps with the nervousness, and it helps with making sure that you're coherent in the order in which you're speaking. In terms of thinking about differential diagnosis, management, and plans, this is something that takes months, years to get good at. 
I would say that the major things that really helped me is one, thinking about clinical reasoning. I showed previously the clinical reasoning podcast that is, was very helpful for me, clinical problem solvers. And then as far as management and plan, a little bit of preparation goes the long, a long way. So if you've admitted a patient the night before, go home that night and read up on UpToDate, for instance. And that's a high yield place to sort of think about what are the next steps in terms of management for the patient. Another big tool that really helps you shine on the wards is to include in your plan what happens if this patient decompensates, right? So I'll give you an example. Patient comes in, they have pneumonia, and you put them on an antibiotic regimen. If you include in your thinking, okay, what happens if overnight this patient becomes hypotensive and septic? You might say, okay, I would broaden my antibiotic coverage and get a new set of, of blood cultures before, before doing that and maybe looking for another pocket of infection somewhere. This is all hypothetical, but the point is thinking about what happens if things get worse and having a plan for that so that it doesn't take you by surprise. I think a lot of attending physicians will uh, really appreciate the thoughtfulness in thinking about not only what's happening in the moment, but also what's the clinical trajectory and how can I make sure that I will be ready if the patient um, needs more, uh, more interventions. Again, I wanna reiterate that um, Internal medicine is an incredibly supportive field. We're all sort of nerds. It's an incredible opportunity to be present with patients. And if it's a virtual clerkship, I really hope that you still get that flavor of the thought process that goes into internal medicine, the joy of sort of seeing patients longitudinally, either in the outpatient setting or during the course of a hospitalization, being the primary team that is advocating for patients. And as far as the shelf, it's really about organization. It's about picking the key resources, focusing on active learning, UWorld, as well as Anki and other ways to, to memorize content. And just reiterating that if you ever have a question about your particular situation, please give us a call. We would love to, to chat with you. And I hope that some of you end up choosing internal medicine as, as your career. It's a wonderful field. I'm not seeing any other questions. So with that, I'm wishing you all health for you and your loved ones and uh, lots of success during your internal medicine clerkships, whether they occur in the hospital, in person, or virtually. Thank you, everyone. We hope this was helpful and that it helped take some of the guesswork out of the equation for you. If you have any questions or would like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, get in touch with us via our website, medschooltutors.com, via email, hq at medschooltutors.com, or give us a call, if you're old school like that, at 212-327-0098. Also, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, share, and rate us on your podcast app. And if you want more helpful, free information, Visit our blog at medschooltutors.com, check us out on social media at medschooltutors, or visit our forum at usmletutors.com. Thanks for listening. Be well.